Awesome. Now, last week, I shared about the two sides of a coin. If you were here, you would hear me talk about the two sides of this coin. One side is a bit more creative, you know, a bit more artistic, a bit more crazy. I got told during the week that apparently there's not just a Ute $1 coin, there's an Iced Vovo $1 coin. If you don't know what an Iced Vovo is, ask your grandma. But sorry, Sabri, you're gonna have to ask an Australian person what an Iced Vovo is. But yes, on one side it's a bit more creative. It also has the value of the coin on it. And on the other side is a little bit more maybe legalistic or official, a bit more formal bit more proper, and yet the two sides of the coin are required to make a coin complete. And being a Jesus follower, often this is our experience. We have things that look like they're in opposition to each other, but God brings them together and says they're actually part of the same picture. They carry an important aspect together. And last week I unpacked the importance of resting in Jesus as well as serving or working for Jesus, working for Christ, being obedient, as well as having the freedom and embracing that. And someone during the week described it beautifully, said family on mission. It's a phrase you may have heard before, being family on mission. Family is a place of, of belonging, of value, of peace, hopefully. Hopefully family is a place of peace on one side, but the family is also on mission. It actually has purpose and function and work to do. And so, uh, so last week I unpacked those two sides and I thought it was a one-off message, but this week I was challenged, God challenged me in a space that's timely and relevant right now of two other things that go together that often we put in separation or in opposition to each other. Two other things in being a Jesus follower that sometimes appear like they're in conflict, but they're not. And I just want to unpack these two things and explain how, how Jesus has put them together. So if you want to just go on the journey with me, the first thing is something that we read in many places, but I just want to share with you 1 Peter 1, 14 to 16. It says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So this exhortation to the body says, God is holy and I want you to be holy like God is holy. That's what the scripture says. Now, what is this concept of holiness? I want to explain it through a simple example. Now, this is not an example that's, um, this is holy to me. It's not holy to God. I just want to clarify that. This, this is a bowl. This is a breakfast bowl, and this is a significant bowl to me. I don't actually know where it came from. I think my mum gave it to me. It's a one of a kind in that and it's not part of a set. And I have it as a single bowl. And for me, this is a holy bowl, or it has been a holy bowl, because for many, many years, this has been my breakfast bowl. Now, there's special things about this bowl. It fits five wheat bixes perfectly across the middle here, perfect depth, Perfect width to fit five wheat bixes. Brilliant design. I've kept it and every day I would wake up in the morning, I would put five wheat bix in there, pour in the milk, eat my breakfast, wash it diligently afterwards so that it was ready for the following morning. Now that is actually what holy is. It means set apart for a special purpose. Something that's set apart for a purpose of significance. And that bowl was that for me for many years until my children were old enough to prepare meals for themselves and prepare food for themselves. 
And all of a sudden, I'd walk into the kitchen on a morning to get my breakfast bowl, and there it is sitting with some sticky old yogurt and a spoon in it, left on the bench. My holy bowl was tarnished, or some, some noodles stuck to the side, dried and stuck to the side of it. No longer was this bowl holy and set apart for a purpose, but it had become a communal bowl of mishmash and whatever, and yeah, it lost its holiness. So I hope that explains to you what holy is. It's set apart for a purpose. Unfortunately, I've actually ventured out and explored other breakfast cereals as I shared a few weeks ago. So, but this bowl was once holy to me. Holy is just being set apart. And God is holy. God is special and set apart, one of a kind. Nothing is like God. And God says, I am holy and I call you to be holy as well, to be set apart for purpose. John 17, 16 says, Jesus says this of his followers, they are not of this world just as I am not of this world. This is holiness, not of this world, set apart just as Jesus is not of this world. He is also set apart. Jesus is holy and he calls his followers to be holy. 2 Timothy 3 says, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The list goes on, having a form of godliness, but denying its powers. Have nothing to do with such people. It's a pretty bold claim. Saying you are separate. You're, that's not you. That's not how you are. There's so many things that are part of this world that we, we normalize, that we experience, that we see. And it's saying that's not you. Have nothing to do with that. You are holy. You need to be holy and set apart. When we read this stuff, we can understand the idea of being a monk or a nun. The idea of separating ourselves and saying, I don't want to have part of the evil in the world. I'm going to separate myself and, you know, let's all go and start a commune. We wouldn't be the first people that did that. Let's separate ourselves and be holy as God's called us to be holy. But this is actually only one side of the coin. This is actually only one part of this beautiful picture. And in isolation, it's twisted. In isolation, it is twisted. We've got to be careful about this. We can get distorted when we make part of the picture the whole picture. And so I actually want to look at what the other side of the coin looks like. And this is really significant because Jesus hung out with sinners. He hung out with people, not that just were different people, they were actually people that were living lives that were unholy, that were doing things that culturally, but also spiritually were not part of God's design. And Jesus hung out with them. He hung out with drunk people. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with tax collectors. All these people were culturally and spiritually unholy. And yet Jesus hung out with them. Is this a conflict? It's fascinating because in Luke 5.30, 
It says, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples, this being Jesus' followers, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? It was offensive. It was offensive to the religious people of the day that Jesus actually hung out and his disciples hung out with people who were unholy. Luke 19, 7 to 9 says, and when they saw it, they all grumbled because Jesus had gone to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. That's the story of Zacchaeus. They grumbled, they complained. We've got these two parts of the picture. Be holy, and yet we see Jesus hanging out with unholy people. I want to point out to you that there is no spreading the gospel. It is impossible to spread the gospel. You cannot share the good news of Jesus without hanging out with sinners. Did you know that it's possible? If you just hang out with people that are already Jesus followers, the gospel is not declared. The gospel is not spread. You have to hang out with sinners to be a Jesus follower that follows his instructions to go and share his gospel. You can't do it any other way. And interestingly, this is exactly what came up as a question to Jesus. And I'm going to read from Luke 15. It may sound familiar to you. I hope it does. But if it doesn't, either way, it's really significant. Luke 15 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, being Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So on one side of the coin, we've got holiness, a pursuit, a desire, an integral part of being a Jesus follower. On the other side of the coin is this mandate, very clear mandate, to say you've got to hang out with sinners because the people that are lost are those that I want to draw into my kingdom, those I want to draw close to me that I want to show love to. It appears like a contradiction, and yet it's actually really, really important that we do both. How do we do both? What happens when your 10-year-old son comes home with a birthday invitation and on the birthday invitation to his friend at school, it says, there's strippers at the party. I know, a little confronting, a little bit out there. Bit of an extreme example, but this is, this is not, this is, this is not uh, totally uncommon. They say that, um, that by 12... I don't know the exact stat, but there is a large proportion of 12-year-olds that have been exposed to pornography. This is reality for the society we're in. 
And okay, that example has never happened to me. But what happens when we get caught in this spot of going, God calls us to be holy, and yet he calls us to interact with sinners, to love people and show the light of Christ to the world. We're stuck, or it appears like we're stuck. It appears like we're in a really tricky spot. And yet in John 17, Jesus has this prayer, amazing prayer. Would really encourage you to read John 17 if you want to hear Jesus' heart for his followers and for mankind. And I'm just going to read a little bit of John 17, starting at verse 14. Because this paints the picture of how these two things actually work beautifully together. This is Jesus' prayer to his Father. I have given them, being his followers, that's, this is us. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is an amazing prayer of Jesus. This is his heart for his followers. It's a heart that says, Lord, God, I know that this is not going to be easy. I know that being in the world is going to require persecution and rejection because they're not from around here like I'm not from around here. And yet I'm not going to pray that you take them out of this because there is a role, there is a significance, there is a purpose to Jesus' followers being on the earth. We're not just enduring our lives until we get to heaven. We are actually bringing the light of heaven on earth. We're actually bringing the gospel of hope to earth. There's actually a beautiful synergy and he says, sanctify them, meaning bring them to a place of fullness and wholeness and purity, a journey, a journey of becoming more Christ-like. Set them apart for the purpose that you've called them to just like Jesus has already established and demonstrated and modeled and prepared for us. This is actually a beautiful picture. We have to be careful. You know, one thing I was reflecting on this week is do you think there was any point in Jesus' journey where he acted in an unholy way? In any of the stories, was there, was there something that Jesus did that was unholy. When, when God commands us to be holy like he is holy, I look at Jesus and go, he got himself into some pretty messy spots, hanging out with some pretty challenging people. And yet his integrity and his holiness was able to be maintained in that space. This is actually really timely. This message, this concept, this tension between being people who are holy 
And yet people who are not fleeing away from the sinner, who are not fleeing away from people who are far from God, is very relevant today. And this might sound like a plug for light up the night. Absolutely. I'm unashamedly saying light up the night, I believe, is part of God's design, part of his plan. But it's not just about light up the night. Because when we come to things like Halloween, I can assure you, I can tell you that there are ignorant people out there that do not understand the spiritual dynamic of what's going on. That do not understand behind this is some dark stuff going on spiritual things that are not healthy. And there are things that while might look like just dressing up for kids, is normalizing, is making beautiful something that is very ugly. And that is dark things in this world, spiritual things that are, that are not healthy. And so the holiness side of the coin says, don't participate. Don't encourage your children to participate. Because it's not healthy. Normalizing dressing up as demons is not healthy. Our children shouldn't be doing that. Attaching dressing up and dark things to lollies is sick. We have a tension where kids want lollies and to get lollies you dress up as yuck stuff. What is this teaching? And yet on the flip side... We are called to be in a world of darkness, a world of brokenness, a world where people are deceived, are confused, and need hope. I know a lot of people, and I've talked to a few this week, some of them are on this screen, some of them in this room, whose solution to this was to lock the door, turn the lights off, and pretend you went home. This is real. This is, this is, I've experienced this in my house, right? So the idea is, if I hand lollies to a kid dressed up as a ghoul, a ghost, I'm reinforcing an idea that I don't actually want to reinforce in their life. So lock the, lock the doors, batten down the hatches, pretend we're not home, and I can solve that problem. And yet... If you look on Facebook community groups, there is so much praise around Halloween. Why? Because it's the community out on the streets. It's people connecting with their neighbors. It's a sense of value. It's a sense of fun and and joy. And I'm like, Lord, they're all your things. They all belong to you. You created those things. You designed them for our good. And they've been associated with something that's so yuck. It's the truth twisted. It's the truth, the goodness of God distorted and taken God out of it and replaced it with something ugly. We are people of the light. We carry these things because God gave them to us. And our job is not to lock our doors. Our job is not to batten down the hatches. We've got two sides to this coin. Yes, I'm not going to let my kids participate in dressing up in that stuff because it's not healthy. Now, we were too late last year and and we're too late again this year, but we talked about as a family, maybe we could look on eBay around the world for some lollies from different countries and we'll buy them and bring them in 
just as a family activity and do something where, where kids get to enjoy some lollies. There are sometimes food. For those that are parents, you've heard that phrase, I'm sure. Um, lollies are a sometimes food. And, and so maybe we could do something creative around the lollies, but not attach it to the yuck stuff. We didn't get off our backsides and do that. And we always get to this point and go, well, deliveries aren't going to work, but that's okay. But what I can tell you is the reason I believe light up the night is so significant is because it actually reflects both sides of the coin. It's an example. It's, I'm not suggesting that it's the only thing that anyone should do on Halloween, but it's a beautiful example of both sides of the coin where there's an intention to say God is good. We want to live lives that are wholly set apart for his purpose. And yet at the same time, there's some amazing things going on at this point in time, this celebration, if that's what you want to call it, that we can participate and engage in in a healthy, godly way that provides kids and families an opportunity to be community, to experience joy, to experience hope, to experience the gospel in a way that doesn't compromise holiness. It's just one example, but I think it's a good example. And I think one of the things that we struggle with is we go one way or the other. I'm going to live in the commune or the pub. Like, I've got to choose. I'm going to isolate and follow God, or I'm going to be a worldly person. And Jesus makes it very clear in this prayer that his intention, that his heart, is for us to actually have a beautiful harmony between the two. And they're actually designed to be in harmony. We are designed to be holy and set apart, and we are designed to be a light of the world, to be in the world, but not of the world. These are the two sides of the coin. And I'm not coming to a point that says, this is what you should do. But what I am saying is that as believers, we often have a distorted perspective of this one way or the other, and we need to check ourselves. We need to check ourselves. Am I out there connecting with people who are far from God? This is God's heart for me. Am I setting myself apart to be holy for God's purpose? You see, on one side, the risk is that we actually blend in with the world, that we actually become one with the world of the same substance and we lose our holiness. On the other side, we become isolated and separate from the world and we effectively lose our saltiness. We have no impact on the world and have any effect on the world. We've got to hold these two things in beautiful tension. And when we hold these things the way Jesus prayed, we actually have an amazing impact to have on our world. Holy and set apart with a gospel for those that are far from God. I really want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you to look at that and think about how you process, how you think. I want to challenge you to say, where am I on that spectrum? Am I on a, on a holiness campaign and maybe need to see how I can connect with people? Am I on a, on a journey that just blends in with the world 
and there's nothing that sets me apart from the world. And I need to set myself apart as a servant of the living God. Wrestle with that this week because this coming weekend, you are going to have an opportunity to be a person of action. Wrestle with it this week because this coming weekend, you will have many, many, many opportunities to engage with people as a wholly set-apart person connecting with people far from God. Two sides of a beautiful coin. It's something worth wrestling with and something that I'd encourage you just to process this week. It's not always easy. It's not always straightforward. My example before was extreme about a 10-year-old birthday party with a stripper. You want to encourage your kids to connect with friends, to to have relationship, to, to connect with other families. But you also want to protect them from things that are unhealthy and distorted and warped in this world. Sometimes, and and every parent knows this, sometimes you have to be the bad cop and sometimes you have to be flexible. And the Holy Spirit is brilliant at providing us discernment and wisdom in these circumstances. It's not always easy, but we've we've got to wrestle with this. We've got to explore this if we're going to have a healthy perspective. The hardest thing is when you look at other believers and you see something that's a little bit out of whack, often it's a reflection of me being out of whack too. And where there can be division and a whole heap of things that are a side effect of us not having a healthy perspective of this. I'm just going to pray. Jesus, you gave us your word. And as a result, the world hates Jesus' followers. Because Jesus' followers are not of this world, just as you're not of this world. Lord, my prayer is that you don't take us out of this world, but you protect us from the evil one. Lord God, sanctify us by the truth, because your word is truth. God, you sent Jesus into the world, and he has sent us into the world. Lord, we thank you for the mission that you have called us to. We thank you for the purposes that you have set us apart for beautiful, amazing purposes set apart to glorify you. Lord, we thank you for the community that you've placed us in, a community that's not always pretty, a community that's not always put together, a community that's not always healthy, Lord. And yet you have brought us, people pursuing holiness, into this community to be light and salt. And Lord, we pray that you would give us the boldness to do that well. You would protect us from the evil one. You would keep us holy and set apart. And yet you would keep us connected, engaged with opportunities to share your gospel in this community. Lord, where we feel weak, We pray you would be our strength. Where we feel timid, we pray you would give us boldness. Where we feel distant from you, we pray that you would draw us close. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we know the mandate you've given us to reflect your glory on earth. 
We pray that this week there will be so many stories of people that experience your love, experience your hope, experience your transforming power in their lives, just as you have done in our lives. Lord, I rejoice in anticipation for what this week brings. When people set apart for holiness, engage in a broken world. Lord, I rejoice like you rejoice for one sinner that's come to know you and respond to you. And Lord, we, we participate in, in hopeful anticipation of what this week brings. We love you, Lord. We love the mission you've called us to. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to lead us and be our strength in everything that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen.